This week on the Rotten or Righteous podcast, we ask the question. <laughs> did you hear what he did at the well? <laughs> he told me all about me. <laughs> Do you want to hear more? <laughs> no, please go away. Welcome back to Rotten or Righteous, the podcast that, like LeVar Burton reprising his role as Kunta Kinte, we're getting back to our roots. That's horrible. How's that horrible? That's great. That's horrible. That is great. <laughs> Where it all started. With me today is... Oh, what? Oh, I'm sorry. It, it seems that Luke Taylor has been cut from the episode entirely to give Mary Magdalene more screen time. Also, with us today, seriously? This funny introduction was also cut to give Mary Magdalene more screen time, too. <laughs> it's Scott Judge. Oh, welcome, Mary Magdalene. And as for me, I'm... Oh, come on! My introduction was cut to give Mary Magdalene more screen time? This is ridiculous. Ah. <laughs> uh. Are you concerned with how much screen time Barry Magdalene's been getting? Anyway, I'm Zach Geiler. I'm Scott Judge. And if you haven't guessed, this week we are returning to what started it all. Dallas Jenkins directed, crowd-funded television series, The Chosen. Before we get to that, if you notice an extra gravitas in my voice, maybe a little bit more manly, I know my beard has come in thicker and my hair has stopped thinning. It's because I'm a truck guy now. Is it possible for your beard to get thicker? Why don't you decide for yourself? Let me just move this microphone. I, I don't think it is. I look all Taliban-y. You do look Taliban-y. All it took for me to get a truck was to uh, have a meth head total my other vehicle. Just goes to show you, the Lord giveth works, and the Lord taketh away. And he also works in mysterious ways. Amen. I just want to know, where is Satan right now? It's a full-out manhunt. There is a $100,000 reward for information leading to his arrest. I will go ahead and give you his information. You should already have it. Some of it's already been blasted out um, via social media. Uh, but the suspect's name is... The devil. I've always wondered, what's the devil look like? Well, of course, there are all manner of lesser imps and demons, Pete, but the great Satan himself is red and scaly with a bifurcated tail, and he carries a hay fork. Oh, no. No, sir. He's white. As white as you folks. With empty eyes and a giant's head, teeth, hair, eyeballs, blood running down his arm. And he said, I got him! <laughs> It's now time for America's new favorite podcast within a podcast. Where's Satan at? You were just dumping a bag of hammers. 
Now, before we dive into the review of our episode today, it is time for everyone's favorite made-up, completely satirical, nothing that is about to be said is the belief of anyone on this show, podcast within a podcast. Where's Satan at? (laughs) Where is he at today? Yeah, if you haven't listened to the episode where we reviewed Monster Energy Drink a little bit ago uh, to determine whether or not it's secretly satanic... It's not, by the way. Then, then you will know that where Satan at was an impromptu podcast idea where we at the Rotten Righteous podcast do an important public service, namely we tell you where Satan is at. Uh, we've scoured the internet for stories of good-natured, incredibly gullible or paranoid people try to warn us where Satan may be secretly hiding. No boy this week. This week, we find Satan. We know where Satan at. He's in Dora the Explorer. Dora? (laughs) You mean to tell me that Swiper is Satan? Now, hold on a second. Don't get ahead of me here. Okay. For those of you who are incredibly lucky or too young to remember, Dora the Explorer was a children's animated program that began at the turn of the century. It follows the titular Dora, a young explorer and her monkey friend named Boots. Now every episode, they encounter some animal that needs help getting somewhere. And it's up to Dora, Boots, her talking map and backpack, and the child viewer to get that animal where they need to go. Unfortunately... According to an anonymous writer at popmasters.com, the only place Dora is helping our children get to is hell. like a ton of stuff on the internet about this you see dora has an antagonist a fox who's always trying to steal something from dora named swiper however foiling the fox's nefarious heists is easy dora simply instructs her children viewers to chant swiper no swiping three times in quick succession and swiper slinks off to the shadows with a defeated oh man And he is off to begin plotting his next theft. In one particular episode aptly named Dora's Search for the Seasons, Dora and the gang must must travel through a magical land where they go through areas that represent all four seasons. Now in the fall area, Dora and Boots stop to pick some apples. And wouldn't you know that Swiper shows up and tries to take their apples? As is the norm, When Swiper is seen, they shout, Swiper, no swiping, and the fox is foiled. But in this episode, the author of this theory, who claims without giving any citation or credential to be a professor and scholar of the history of Christianity, well, he made a connection in this episode. He says that clearly Swiper is meant to represent a demonic fox spirit that appears in various religions throughout history. And obviously the chant Swiper No Swiping is meant to represent a chant 
that is meant to exercise demons. Scott, I can't even argue with this. This is air tight. <sighs> yeah. But so it gets you worse. Got a fox. Oh, it gets worse. Doing what a fox does. Go ahead. Are you saying that? that's kind of racist? Is it? <laughs> I mean, not all fox are theft or thieves. Yeah. Put him near a chicken coop. So Swiper is the is a demon, obviously. I mean, I could have told you that. But here's the problem. When Doris tells Swiper to stop his swiping, she never actually rids herself of the demonic fox follower. Her chant wards him off, but he is always back in the following episode. Now the author suggests that Dora is doing this out of benevolence, always giving the demon another chance at redemption, a chance to turn away from evil. However, let me posit my own theory. Dora craves the demon's attention. Sure, she wards him off, but she constantly invites him back. Dora is playing with fire, and it's only a matter of time before she gets burned. Uh. Now, before you think, no way, Zach, this show is for kids, Swiper is just a cute cartoon, ask yourself, why isn't Swiper a llama? Or an emu? Or a pachyderm? Dear listener, are you telling me that it is just coincidence that they chose a fox? The same animal that means sly, wicked, and powerful. The animal that Aesop, who wrote his fables in 500 BC, tricked an innocent hare back to its den only to eat the varmint. I think not. There is a reason why Jimi Hendrix's foxy lady made him want to get up and scream. For hundreds of years, the fox has been a symbol throughout the history of Europe to represent an evil, chaotic, and demonic presence in the land. Is it just coincidence that the chant, Swiper No Swiping, is just two syllables short of the famous line from any exorcism, The Power of Christ Compels You? I think not. <laughs> Therefore, dear listeners, I think... We can all safely say that Dora the Explorer is teaching our children to play with demonic forces in this world and not flee from them. So yes, we found where Satan at. He's living in a canceled television show that was popular between two and five year olds during the early morning on a TV station called Nickelodeon. Back in the aughts. Back in the aughts. You know, and if we go a little deeper, I mean, you've got Fox Sports, Fox News, You've got the Fox Trot. You've got Fox Run. It could be that Terry Bradshaw is Satan himself. I've said that for years. Have you? <laughs> but that's another episode of Where Satan At. But that's all we've got for you. Until next time, bottoms up, Satan laughs. Swipe your new swiping. All right, let's get into this. Like we said, season two of The Chosen is 98% out, I would say. There's still mm -hmm. one episode waiting to be released, but hopefully by the time we get through the episodes that are here now, that episode will be released uh, by the time we get to it. All right, so let's get into the first episode of Season 2, which is titled something that I should have looked up before this very second. I mean, I can only do so much, Scott. I know. You think I'd have been there for you for that. Oh, it's aptly called 
Thunder. Thunder. What? If you if you knew that, why didn't you say it? Because I just saw it when you did. So, the first thing that we are told before we even get into the episode is that James is going to be played by someone else. I'll be honest with you, dear listeners, and with Scott, if you held a gun to my head and said, I will shoot you, Zach, if you do not point out which of the random background apostles is James, I would die. I would, too. I had no, I I, I had no clue that James was played by someone else, and I'll be honest, I didn't miss him. Nope. All I remember from last season was Matthew's weird tics, Peter, Eden, and of course, everyone's favorite, Mary Mags. Mags. Now, if somebody told you, hey, how do you think season two should start? And Mm. you said, uh, just like an episode of The Office, except take out all the stuff in between and just use the characters when they look straight at the camera and tell you things. I would have said, that was a terrible idea. Mm, Horrible. But Jenkins would have said, let's do it. (laughs) Challenge accepted. Yeah, because you know what I like in my first century documentaries about the life of Jesus? I really like him to feel like a modern day documentary. Yeah. This episode brings you two flash forwards, three flash backwards, and one flash sideways. It's nuts. So, yeah, it starts out with every random apostle. Again, all except Peter. I cannot name. (laughs) (laughs) Just come and and stare straight down at the camera, telling us all about the time they met Jesus. And it truly does feel like watching an episode of Modern Family or The Office or any of those other mockumentary shows. It's not good. And like I said, only Peter I can recognize. And then Matthew comes on, and what's up with that beard, Matthew? (laughs) <laughs> he's a bizarre man I just I just the beard looks terrible it looks like they went to a, a, a pet groomer found a black poodle shaved that poof that poodles have on the top of their heads and just stuck it right on his face he's trying to fit in with the other apostles I think is he? yeah there was one joke here. Now, there the apostles are actually talking to John. John is the camera. He's collecting stories for his uh, gospel. And um, when he's talking to Matthew, Matthew's giving like really specific details about everything. And John goes, "You don't have to be specific." And then Matthew responds, "In my book, it will be specific." And I was like, you know, as mm-hmm. a theologian, good joke. Mm-hmm. That was a good joke. Mm-hmm. And then Mother Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, comes in and talks to John. And I don't un- understand what, what, what her point is in this show. Especially in this scene. Because it seems like she's really reluc- or reluctant to tell the story of Jesus. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't know why we're talking about him. I think we should just keep him in our hearts. And I'm like, Mary. Show Mary. Where are you getting that from? <laughs> Well, it's interesting. If you go into the Gospel of Luke, you find uh, where it talked about how Mary kept those things in her heart and, uh, you know, how Jesus grew and Mary held those things close. Right. And, and that means Mary, which I thought was, Mary never talked inter- about them. That's what it meant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting, though, that she's talking to John. So 
she's like giving quotes for what Luke would write and then giving John quotes for no, what he would close with. But th- yeah, Mary does two things. One, she does not want to talk about Jesus. And two, she's given John all the best lines in his book. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm wondering, Jenkins, what are you doing here? You can't have it both ways. How do you have Mary being reluctant and also being the mm-hmm. inspiration behind John? Yeah. Which it's the other thing for me is I never, I don't when understand. we find that the, the scriptures given by the inspiration of God, I've never once in my life considered that it would have been Mary that would have given information to them for that to have been written down. I mean, there's a lot of questions that I have here, but oh, oh crap. Never mind. Quick, the theme song's coming. Do we have anything else? Ah, it's too late. We can't talk about it anymore. Do you like do you like the placement of having this though at the start of season two? I don't hate it, but I just I I find it funny that they're in the middle of a conversation, they're about ready to get something, and then you just hear oh, oh, oh," and I'm like ah, you don't get to hear the end of this conversation. Yep. After the opening credits, we're taken to James and John, who are just pulling the world's worst rat wagon, just the worst (laughs) wagon I've ever seen. I mean, come on, James and John. There's a bunch of spikes where your tires go. What are you doing? I, I, it's almost I, like they were plowing a field. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not an idiot, but it was funny that that's the first thing I thought of. Was like it was like mm-hmm. the world's worst wagon. But no, they're they're plowing a field because Jesus put them in charge of planting a field while he and the other apostles were uh, going to a nearby Samaritan city. Now. Before we get to the city and see Jesus for the first time this season, we run into Thomas and his betrothed, Rama, who we have not seen since they were working as wine merchants that we met during the wedding of Cana in Season 1, Episode 5. Which means that if you don't have a podcast where it's your job <laughs> to remember all of these things and figure out where they're coming from, I have to, I have to guess that the layman does not remember these two. Mm-hmm. They were in one episode for like 15 minutes, and we, it was released two years ago. Yeah. But there they are, Thomas and his wife, Rama. And uh, they're they're having an argument with Rama's fa- our father. You see, uh, Rama's daddy just ain't too happy with his future son-in-law dragging his baby girl off to some group of dudes. Well, and one lady. We cannot forget Mary Mags. Forget the one lady, Don't yes. Don't forget Mary Mags. Uh, yeah, just to follow some uh, rabbi and his, his band of misfits. And what's worse, Tommy is leading his baby girl to Samaria. And as if on cue, Tom, Rama, and father-in-law that I forgot his name are confronted by a group of Samaritans looking for a fight. Are they going to fight? Oh. No, we already did that! No! So we gotta listen to the theme song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't know yeah. if they fight because we are finally whisked away to a Samar- or Samaritan city where Jesus and the chosen are staring. Whereas Jesus still don't see him, but Jesus did tell his top dog, Mary Mags, that he needed a little time alone. So Mary's like, yo, Peter and Andrew, don't you be bothering him. You know who's number one. Meanwhile, first century Rain Man also known as Matthew, has his abacus out and just doing math problems, trying to see how many people Jesus would need to reach or teach an hour in order to teach everyone in the city. 
And the answer is 83.33 repeating, apparently. <laughs> Meanwhile, Andrew goes to give Jesus some water, but surprise, Jesus is nowhere to be found. What are the or what is this ragtag group of chosen individuals going to do now that they've lost the Messiah? They all decide to split up and look for him, of course. All except for Matthew, who Peter tells him kind of rudely to stay put. There's no love lost between Peter and Matthew. I see myself and Peter more and more as these episodes play out. <laughs> A little angry and condescending. But here's the thing. Mary Magdalene is is supposed to be like this motherly figure to Matthew, but she comes across as just equally as patronizing because Matthew tells Peter, hey, what do you want me to do? And Peter's like, just, just stay here. And then Mary's like, don't you worry, little guy. Don't you worry. I'm just going to be fine. I'm just going to be right outside this door. I'm not going to be too far. Oh, who's a good Matthew? Who's a good Matthew? You are. You want a bacon strip? Do you want a bacon strip? I mean, he's he's got he's a genius with autism, yeah. not a puppy. You're leaving for a few hours. And it's interesting how he perceived his job to have been the better of all of yeah, them. He's like, look, one, I don't have to walk around this hot city. And two, statistically, I'm more likely to find Jesus. He's going to come back to where he left. Yep. But I just don't like the way... Ma- I, I don't mind Peter and Matthew's relationship because, like I said, I understand that, you know? I understand the that. The Mags just didn't care for Mags, how she talked to him. I just don't... I, I just hate when people talk to some people with autism or uh, uh, ADHD or savant syndrome, like people that, that aren't mentally disabled, but mentally... You know, I wouldn't say autism, yes, it's a mental hurdle to get over, but their brains are unlocked in a way that we still don't understand. You know what I mean? It's not like they have Down syndrome. They're not perpetual children is what I'm trying to say. And I, I hate when people talk down to people with autism, like they have to dumb down their voice in order to get, you know, anything through. Now, Peter... And Mary was certainly talking dumb down. And here's the reason why I don't mind Peter's, because Peter genuinely just doesn't like him (laughs) you know (laughs) peter is treating matthew the way that he would treat anybody that he doesn't like it's not like he's Mm -hmm. treating matthew differently which is why that's how he was from the very beginning too right which is why i respect matthew and peter's relationship and the way peter talks more than than mary who's just patronizing but they go out to find jesus and all their searching amounts to basically a hill of beans because jesus is i mean he's doing what you expect him to do you know, fixing a guy's cart. He's underneath the cart. He's not lost at all. He's out working. But while Jesus is fixing a guy's cart, which I kind of liked, he's a carpenter. I do like how they're they're showing Jesus in a different light, that he's not just preaching all the time. Mm-hmm. But as Jesus is out fixing things, and, and, and all the apostles and Mary are out trying to find him, and Matthew's just twiddling his thumbs, that's the time that... Tommy, Rama, and Rama's father, Grumpy Grumpy Umpus, arrives at the house the apostles are staying at. It turns out that they're invited guests of Mary Mags, because of course they are. Why wouldn't they be? Seriously, what's the point of having the other twelve when they have Mary? What 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 is the point, Jenkins? Uh, I, Grumpus. I cannot say. I like that name. Grumpus. Grumpy Grumpy Umpus. Thank you. Grump, Grumpus. And then we have his tense scene that I loved, where Thomas is trying to figure out where he can fit into Jesus' entourage. And he lands on the conclusion that he's good with numbers. 
He's he's very schedule orient, oriented. Maybe that's what he can do. Maybe he can keep Jesus' schedule. After all, as Thomas says, numbers and precision is his special or speciality. And Matthew's off to the side like, oh snap, he did not just say that. <laughs> Yo, dog. Someone better that's hold me do. back because I'm feeling froggy and I'm liable to jump. <laughs> but thankfully, oh. the tension is cut short as James and John come in filthy from plowing a random Samaritan's field. And they shake hands with the wine merchants. While all this is happening, Jesus is back to teach in the town square, and a whole bunch of Samaritans are gathered, including one creepy dude that the camera focuses on just standing on the balcony watching this all go down. Who is this man? You think, like, oh, okay, this might be the villain of this. Nope, he's just, he's just one creepy dude. <laughs> now, Jesus is, for some reason that I cannot understand, telling the parable of the lost sheep, which... <laughs> Plays a whole lot into this episode. Yeah, but it's completely out of context and makes no mm-hmm. no sense whatsoever. The parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15 is about the perceived righteousness of the Pharisees versus those that the Pharisees look down on as sinners and how the heaven rejoices over a sinner that knows they need redemption more than 99 self-righteous people who are too proud of themselves to admit they need help. It is not about Jesus just walking around finding the one lost sheep instead of sticking with the crowds, like this episode tried to portray. It's out of context. And for the first time that I can think of in this show, they do teach something Biblical that's out of context, and because they did that, they destroyed the intended meaning of Jesus' actual words when he said them in the biblical text. And so I'm kind of disappointed, because besides the drunkenness scene at the wedding, this is the first major doctrinal thing that they have gotten wrong. And I wonder as we move on how much more we may see of this as well. Um, because it, it uh, are they going to start reaching and start stretching for things? And I, then, I mean, it makes no sense just in the beginning. The parable of the lost sheep was told when he was surrounded by Pharisees. You want to know where Pharisees weren't all hanging out in random Samaritan villages? Yep. Don't worry about that. We don't have time to think about that because a man with a splint on his leg mm-hmm. is hobbling through the countryside out of the city. And he stops <laughs> and he sees that his field has been plowed and planted. And he stares in amazement not knowing that it was the work of James and John. And I ask myself, why is this scene here? How did it apply to the teaching of the sheep? I'm real confused right now. Mm -hmm. There is nothing in the Bible that says this happened. If it fit the lesson Jesus was teaching, I would understand. What's Jenkins doing? I don't know. Maybe I'll understand more towards the end of the episode. I won't, but maybe I will at this point. I still had hope. And then it's crushed. Jesus and the Chosen make it back to the place where they were staying. And he embraces Thomas when he sees them, and he asks if he and Rama are going to join their group. But Thomas is like, we would like to, but old Grumpy Gills has some questions to ask. <laughs> He's not a happy man. And Jesus is more than happy to answer the questions of old Grumpopotamus, but they agree to speak in the morning, because it's been a long day of preaching and cart repair, and they should hit the sack. So after everyone finds a sack and hits it, they go to bed. 
I thought I thought Uncle Grumpus played a good part because you could tell, you could see through his facial expressions. He was disgusted that he wasn't going to talk to Jesus could that you, night. Did you see through his facial expressions? Because I couldn't. Because the man had a Brillo pad for a beard. It was, but you could look into his eyes. Could you? Because he had two skinnier Brillo pads for eyebrows. <laughs> a little bit. The next morning, Jesus sends James and John on a mission to buy the ingredients they need to make dinner. He puts James and John in charge of telling the rest of the chosen the things to buy, which drives Peter crazy because, well, Peter thinks he should be in charge, and which drives Mary Mags insane because she is in charge. <laughs> hey, let me mention this real, real quick. He's doing a good job with... Well, we read in the Bible about how they kind of jockeyed for position, James and John. Yeah. You know, ask the question, who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus has to do the teaching of the servant. But it's real good how this is being played out to show the uh, the jealousy and the, uh, the angst amongst them to please Jesus. Yep. And while this is happening, Matthew is freaking out over the money, worrying that they're not going to have enough to get to Judea when they're spinning coin like this. But James and John tell the former tax collector to stop worrying and have a little faith. When everyone has some cash and a few ingredients to buy, Peter asks James and John what they're going to do. And the brothers respond, get off the streets. You see, they say, the problem with Samaria is that there are too many Samaritans. But um, <laughs> So... Yeah, with that terrible joke, Peter is off to buy three skins of wine for dinner, but he's given a fourth. One on the house. Because, well, people just believe that Jesus is the anointed one. And I believe is spreading throughout the city. And then out of nowhere, boom, the woman from the well who we met last season on the finale just comes bounding up. Just, just as chipper as a bag of lays. You see, she's been telling everybody about Jesus, really getting the word out, and also giving off real creepy vibes that if she came bounding up and wanted to tell me things, I'd ask her what she wanted, scream, and then throw my wallet at her. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, and it is a little uncomfortable how she's going up to people. He's like, and hey! <laughs> 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 did you hear what he did at the well? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, listener, that may have been a slight exaggeration. <laughs> barely. Barely slight. slight. Oh. But yeah, he told me everything I'd ever done. <laughs> if your beard wasn't a stick, you'd look just like her. Then she gives Peter an invitation to something and begs Peter to accept on behalf of Jesus and the Chosen. And I would have been like, no. Doing it. No, I'm not. I'm going to walk away. But Peter's like, I'll talk to Jesus about it. Well, actually, first, I have to run it through Mary Mags. She's number one. And then if she decides it's appropriate, then I'll talk to Jesus about it. Back at the place Jesus is staying, old Grumpelstein is waiting for Jesus so they can talk about Rama's place among Jesus' band of misfits. Jesus comes in and apologizes for keeping him waiting. And Grumple Stiltskin just jumps right in and shares his feelings about his daughter joining him. Basically, he thinks Jesus' teaching is towing the line with blasphemy. 
And he's not one to believe in fantastic tales of a teacher, especially one from Nazareth. Oh! Yo, dog, your mama's so dumb, she's from Nazareth. Oh! I know. <laughs> What's funny is that would have been a good your mama joke back in the first century Judea. It would have. It would have. But he can't be too mad at Jesus, because when Jesus turned the water into wine, he actually saved the reputation of Grumpy's Vineyard. And because of that, he's in Jesus' debt. Jesus, after hearing all this, thanks the Father for his honesty. And then Grumps R Us says, with tears in his eyes, I could not give you my belief. My devotion. So my honesty is all I have left to give to giving up my daughter. I'm surprised you didn't get a part in this show. Why? You just have to do is a fake semi-racist Palestinian accent. But you do it well. And Jesus, with compassion in his eyes, responds, Yo, cut the waterworks, Pop. <laughs> <laughs> now did he say yo or did he say yo 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 no i think it was no, yo 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 no, he just says yo <laughs> yeah yo 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 <laughs> jesus with all compassion in his eyes responds i understand i ask a lot of those who follow me but i ask little of those who do not it's kind of like a slap in the face for that man or it should have been because i ain't asking you squat in the end Sir Grapunzel said that he's not convinced of Jesus, but he will not withhold his blessing to let his daughter stay. And as he leaves, Forrest Grump charges Thomas with the task of keeping his daughter safe. Next, Jesus takes all the chosen out to the field to admire the work James and John had done. And the brothers brag, Mm-hmm, yep, we did all this, and we finished it, and... One day. One day. Well done, says Jesus, as he leads his followers to a shack nearby and informs them that this is where they will be having dinner. Turns out the shack belongs to the poor hobbling farmer from earlier. When James and John finds out that they plowed a field for a Samaritan, oh boy, are they disappointed, because they hate Samaritans. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> and the farmer's like, Thanks for feeling everything, but what you want? I can't pay you. But Jesus tells the man that all he wants is to share a meal with the farmer and his family, and not to worry. Jesus brought all the fixins for a nice lamb supper. That night, James and John are all grumpy because they got tricked into helping people they didn't like, but the rest are enjoying their dinner. And the wife of the farmer asked Jesus, When I was a little girl... My mother told me the Messiah would take away everyone's pain and suffering. When will you do that? And everyone stops and stares. As Jesus prepares his thoughts. Then Jesus begins, I'm here to preach the good news of the kingdom of heaven. A kingdom that is not of this world. A kingdom that is coming soon where yes, sorrow and sighing will flee away. And I will make a way for people to access that kingdom. But in this world, bones will still break. Hearts will still break, but in the end, the light will overcome the darkness. That was awesome. Yeah, it was good. And then when Jesus is finished, the man tells Jesus how he broke his leg. 
You see, the poor farmer's family was starving and there was no work for food. So he and a friend came up with a plan to horsejack a Jew traveling the road that led from Damascus to Jericho. The Jew they decided to rob fought back, so the farmer's friend pushed him down and the Jew struck his head on a rock and died. Then the friend took the Jew's possessions and went into town to sell them, and the farmer was supposed to ride the horse to a Roman outpost to sell the horse flesh. But he didn't get very far, because the horse he went, and he fell off. The horse he threw him, breaking the farmer's legs. And this man is ashamed, and even more ashamed that Jesus did all these nice things for a horse thief and a murderer. But then Jesus tells the farmer that the Jew he robbed didn't die. That somebody came along and helped him. A good Samaritan, perhaps? That's what I wondered. It's dumb. Every good thing <laughs> Jesus just said was ruined by the scene. Yep. <laughs> does Jenkins understand what a parable is? Whether he does or whether he doesn't. I, I honestly think that so. <laughs> Jalus Jenkins thinks the parable of the 99 sheep and the one lost sheep meant that at some point in Jesus' life, he had to come across a shepherd trying to find one sheep while his herd of 99 was standing over there. <laughs> it's needs, needs work. Yeah, so anyways, yeah, uh, so this guy's uh, is the, it's like the prequel. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know the parable of the Good Samaritan, but do you know how the Jew ended up in a ditch <laughs> this summer? Come into a theater near you. The parable of the bad Samaritan. And it appears to me they were a couple of foxes that were out to sway. Hey, we do not ever, ever reference where Satan at in the regular show. They're two <laughs> separate things. And Jesus is like, don't you worry about that. That Jew you robbed didn't die. Somebody came along and helped him. So no, the farmer isn't a murderer. He's just a horse thief. Well, that's a relief. Which, in the state of West Virginia, is still punishable by hanging. But he still wants to know why Jesus decided to help him. Then Dallas Jenkins misapplies Luke 15 a second time and says, and, and, and makes the actor who plays Jesus say, the farmer must leave the 99 to find the one astray. That's not what that means, Jinky! Come on! Come on, Dallas! Come on! Are you telling me that if you have a church full of faithful pe people and you're the preacher there, that the Bible, according to that Luke 15, says, hey, you got to leave your faithful congregation and, and be like, you guys got this, bye, and then you have to go and find the one that's astray? Because that would mean that, you know, spiritual growth or maturity would just stop. It's real dumb what they're doing here to Luke 15. Real dumb. Jesus tells the farmer to go back to the temple, spend some time studying the Torah, and tell others about... About the fact that, you know, he's the Messiah and whatnot. And then he gives the... And then Jesus gives the crippled man a nice hug. And then finally, Jesus says that they need to get going. After all, you never know what kind of men are laying in ditches around here waiting to rob people. <laughs> this was, I thought, corny and yet at the same time absolutely hilarious. It was very funny. <laughs> it sounds like something I would say. He's like, oh, too soon? Next, we see Jesus and the Chosen surrounding a door as Peter knocks. Who's behind the door? Oh, snap! It's the woman at the well, and she got back together with my favorite character from last season, the crotchety old man who refused to give her any money in the last episode. 
<laughs> it turns out that the woman at the well had invited Jesus and the twelve to stay at her house. And her husband opens the door and says, let me get this out of the way up front. I've only got five bedrooms and two of them are drafty. I'm like, ah, I love this guy. <laughs> and Peter's like, um, you sure it's okay for us to stay here? Peter says the old man, the old man's like, I'm dying. What do I need this house for? <laughs> <laughs> I love him. He's the best character in this whole show. Yeah. Can he replace Mary Magdalene? Because they both have about the same scriptural precedent for following Jesus around. Yep. Yep. Little bit of liberty. And then for some... Or a lot of bit of liberty. And then for some reason, the old man says, oh, by the way, one of the rooms is haunted by my great-grandmother. And Jesus is like, <laughs> dibs. I want the spooky room. That one's mine. Like, okay. Uh, Jenkins is just going off the rails here. I have no idea. Yeah. It's entertaining, but what's happening? <laughs> the next morning, Jesus is woken up by the ghost of his great <laughs> But not really. <laughs> no. The next morning, the old cripple farmer jumps out of bed. Literally. His leg has been healed. And Jesus wakes up smiling on his face, knowing that the man's family is having an unexpectedly good morning. Was he also smiling because he also made a man in severe pain because of a broken leg spend one other night tossing and turning in severe pain? Because that's what he did. Yeah, it wasn't immediate. I'm trying to think of... There's not a miracle in the Bible that Jesus waited eight, 12 hours to heal somebody. No. I mean, there's, there's no. some that aren't immediate. So yeah, he jumps out of bed, everybody's having a great time, and Jesus is like, yeah, I did something good this morning. When he wakes up. At breakfast, the Chosen are making plans for the day. But Jesus decides to go on a walk. Because he needs some alone time. And once Jesus leaves, James and John voice some concerns. You see, Matthew told the brothers that Peter and the rest lost Jesus for almost the whole day. And then Matthew receives several dirty looks. <laughs> Then, Perception's everything. Then James and John say that they have outlined Jesus' ministry for the next month. And this doesn't fit sit well with Peter and Andrew. But James and John say that the chosen need some form of leadership and a plan. Because Jesus just isn't enough. What a comment. I mean, it makes sense. But it also is very condemning. Mm -hmm. of the chosen but i get what you're saying because they were like this they were like yeah. hey we gotta figure out what's best here you have jesus <laughs> you got no other worries yeah you're fine and yet you're still like hey we really need to plan this out in the end andrew suggests or should suggest that they vote on whether or not they agree with james and john's schedule and making them leaders and only matthew votes with them because of course he He's does matthew. But Peter and Andrew vote against, and the rest abstain. So, they should have won 3-2. to two. But, of course, Dallas doesn't worry about math. <laughs> Small detail. Anyways, James and John are somehow outvoted because... Because. And uh, they're not happy with the current arrangement 
of just arguing every day of, of where they're going to go. And that's when one of the apostles, not sure which one, the scene where we learn his name was probably cut to give more screen time to Mary, says, then stop arguing. And all the other apostles are like, oh, snap! He told you to stop arguing! Oh! Your mother's a Nazarene! Oh! Um, but the brothers can't abide with this decision. So they leave breakfast to go and tell Jesus their plan. They catch up to Jesus at an intersection as a group of Samaritans are walking by. And the Samaritans begin to throw rocks at the three Jews and spit at them. And Jesus restrains James and John from retaliating, asking, what would that achieve? And the brother's like, I'll tell you what that achieves. We should rain down fire from the heavens and incinerate the Samaritans to preserve your honor, Jesus. After all, the Samaritans don't deserve you. Wow. And what a scene this was. Oh, man. <laughs> You're watching this going, are you kidding? You nuts? What are you thinking? And then Jesus stops and then goes, why do you think I asked you to work that poor farmer's field? And the brothers still aren't getting it. And so he goes on to explain that he wanted the brothers to literally sow seeds to learn about the spiritual seeds that Jesus was planting in the region. And then Jesus lays down the hammer on the brothers. And I love this. And I was also so intimidated by this. Mm -hmm. I love this is the reason why I'm still going to give this despite all of its biblical errors. I'm still going to give this a very high rating because it shows Jesus. It shows the playful side of Jesus. But it also shows the serious side of Jesus. Like when Jesus needs to get through to somebody and they're just not listening, how he can he can flip that switch where you see is a little bit of righteous anger burning underneath, and it is very intimidating. And the guy that plays Jesus in the show is an excellent uh, actor. Yeah. But anyways, he turns to the brother and says, "Can you not see what's happening here? These people whom you hate so much are believing in me without even seeing miracles. It's the message." the truth that we're giving them. And you're going to get in the way of that because a few people from a region you don't like were mean to you? That they're not worthy? What? That, that you're so much better? You're more worthy? Well, let me tell you something. You're not. That's the whole point. That's why I'm here. And then out of nowhere, wow. Jesus pulls a microphone from his robe and just drops it. And drops it. <laughs> This was a, this was an outstanding outstanding scene. In my mind, this right here was probably the best of the of this episode. It might have been the best scene so far. It was yeah. Great. It would definitely yeah. It would definitely be in contention because what I, I I forgot to write this down, but you do see that righteous anger. But then immediately after he does what needs to be done, he, he mm -hmm. shows compassion and and mm -hmm. and love. And you know it's. It reminds me of uh, one of um, Job's friends, Eliphaz, in the book of Job. He doesn't mm -hmm. say a lot of things right, but there's one part in the book of Job where he's like, the Lord punishes, but then the Lord comforts. Mm -hmm. And I think that we see this play out right in front of our eyes, this idea of Jesus and God being this loving Father, and a Father corrects those whom he loves, and he's correcting them, but then he's also, you know, mm -hmm. 
You know, he's smacking them across. Giving, giving that compassion, as you said. Yeah, he's smacking them across the face because they need a, a good smacking. But then he, he's right there behind them to hug them and, and kiss that, that boo-boo mm. that he made. Mm-hmm. I have a three-year-old. Everything's a boo-boo. I'm sorry. I know. It was an out, it's an outstanding scene, though. Outstanding. But the brothers apologize to the Lord, and Jesus says that he needs them to channel their passion. That passion and zealousness is good when it's pointed in the right direction. And the way that you point your zealousness is finding humility. But after giving the two the nickname the Sons of Thunder, the three head back into town. On the way back, Jesus is invited by the local priest to read from the Pentateuch. The first five books of the Bible, for those of you who didn't go to preaching school. And as he's trying to pick what book to read, or what passage to read, Jesus asks John to join him. And again, I love this scene of Jesus, because I can see it playing out like this. Because Jesus turns to John... And ask the apostle what he should read. It's like maybe maybe I should read about Moses striking the rock instead of talking to it. Or Balaam striking his donkey instead of listening to it. Maybe Moses breaking the tablets when he came down from Sinai. Or Jonathan storming away from the dinner table. Samson killing the men of Ashkelon. Now, nope. every one of those stories about men reacting in anger when they should have been humble and channeled that passion in a better way. And John's like, yeah, I get it, Jesus. Please, just stop poking. The wound's still fresh. I understand what you're doing. (laughs) Too soon? (laughs) But with a smile, Jesus tells the beloved disciple that he really is open for reading suggestions. And John chooses the beginning because he loves how God speaks everything into being. Then the apostle turns to Jesus and says, you know, the Greeks used the word word to describe divine reason the scene then flashes forward and we're back at the beginning of the episode and older john continues what gives the world form or the word what or the word word gives the world form and meaning and back in the past jesus is something that's really powerful and if you're not paying attention it'll slip by because jesus jesus says i like that and it's a favorite memory in the beginning was the word. So the Lord gets ready to read Genesis as the poor farmer and family walk into the synagogue. In the past, Jesus reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. On the future, John writes, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, Not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. And John smiles as he looks out the window, remembering his old rabbi. No, stop! We're at the end, not the beginning! Talk about ruining a moment. <laughs> Good grief. Welcome to the Rotten Righteous Podcast. <laughs> now, uh, no, at the beginning, here at the Rotten Righteous Podcast, we do our ratings with something called the Sep Scale. Seps is a Greeky, or Greeky word. It's a Greeky word for stinky snake. 
but it's also an acronym for Scriptural Accuracy, Entertainment Value, Parental Control, and the S stands for Should You Watch It? Is There Any Merit? Well, every one of these categories is given a rating between 0 and 25. We add those ratings up at the end and give the piece of media that we're watching a letter grade. So with that, Scott, Scriptural Accuracy. I gave it a 20. Um... There's some things like you were talking about with the parable. Um, uh, you know, there's some issues there, but there's also some outstanding stuff that was in this. I thought it deserved a high rating. Um, so I gave it a 20. I mean, that's fine. You like apostasy. That's cool. Whatever. Who am I? What, who, what, whatever. Who am I to speak against blasphemy? I'm going to give it a 12 for scriptural accuracy right down the middle because really, if you look at it, they use half the scripture they get right. You know, talking about Jesus is the light and all that stuff. But I can't get over the fact that the 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 spoke around this episode was built around the parable of the 99 and the one lost yeah. sheep. And they misapplied that parable terribly. I mean, if you think about it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you go and actually the read ep- the parable the and how the episode uses it, it doesn't make any sense contextually. And for that, I'm... I have to cut it in half. They got half mm-hmm. of it right, and they got half of it wrong. So, out of 25, get a half. I'll get a 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, entertainment value. Were you entertained? I was entertained. I enjoyed the episode. I gave that a 20 also. See, I gave it a 22 because uh, I was entertained. There were some funny parts, really funny parts. I was mm-hmm. never really mm-hmm. bored. It was all mm-hmm. it was all good. Uh, you. Do you think there's a point where Jenkins may take a little too much freedom with the humor that Jesus uses? And we have no way to know um, I don't think so. what that point would be. I don't think so. I really don't, because none of the jokes are malicious, you know? No. They're all no. genuinely funny. And very relatable. And I might have said yes if that whole speech against James and John wasn't in here. But when you see Jesus flip that switch, and you can mm-hmm. see him be serious, deadly serious, really, uh, uh, for a moment, but then flip it back, and then, you know, become that relatable, fun-loving guy again, uh, as long as he keeps that balance, I think we're going to be good. Uh, parental control, <laughs> was there anything that uh, you wouldn't want kids to I, watch? I didn't see anything. I gave it a 25. Yeah, I'm with you. There's nothing... There's not even slightly anything that I could Mm-mm. say, Mm-mm. you know what, this shouldn't be rated PG or G, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, should you watch it, is there merit? I gave that a 25 also. Uh, I think you should. I think that, you know, I say you should watch it. I mean, there's obviously a couple of biblical things that need to be taught while you're doing it, but um, I think it's good. I think it should be seen. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to give it a 20 only because... If you don't know the parable of the lost sheep and what it's actually saying, you could get the wrong idea of what it actually says. But mm-hmm. if your preacher maybe preached on the parable of the lost sheep here recently, then this would be, uh, you would understand enough to throw the, the, the chaff out with the wheat. Or mm-hmm. <laughs> keep the wheat, throw out the chaff. Don't throw the chaff with the wheat. That'd be useless. So there you have it, folks. The first episode of Season 2 of The Chosen is in the books. Scott gave it a 90 because, well, 
he just doesn't care about biblical accuracy and if shows lie to you. <laughs> I gave it a more appropriate 79 because I do care. Carlton University, that's the grading scale we use here. Go Ravens. That was an opera crow. For Rotten or Righteous. And for Where's Satan at? I'm Zach Geiler. <laughs> I'm Scott Judge. Swiper, no swiping! And I promise you, Mary Magdalene will not cut Luke for more screen time next week. But until then, hey Scott. Yeah, Zach. Me and Kelsey kind of got in a fight yesterday. <laughs> yeah, really? It's shocking. I know, but we did. Okay. Is everything okay? Well, not really. See, Kelsey told me to stop impersonating a flamingo, but I just had to put my foot down. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> I'm sitting here picturing this in my mind, and I'm thinking, but if you put your foot down, isn't both your feet down? <laughs> Stop impersonating a flamingo. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, man. I got to go cook some hot dogs. Oh, man. This is so stupid. I know. But that's the point. Excuse me, dear listeners, I shove a hash brown in my fat face. Now, I don't know about you, Scott. Whenever I go get McDonald's breakfast, I always get to order an extra hash brown. <laughs> I do, too. Because I like to go hash brown sandwich hash brown. Yeah. I like to start out with a delicious crunch <laughs> of a hot, fresh mm-hmm. hash brown, eat my sandwich, and then come back a little bit later for a cooler hash brown experience. Mm-hmm. It's a to good, wash it down. It's a good palate cleanser. Yeah. You freshen the gullet, you eat, and then you cleanse the gullet. Okay. Well, now that we're done with that stupidity. <laughs> Bottoms up. That is my the devil's laughing. <laughs> new favorite. <laughs> Wait, I just want to make that the show. You're having a hard time drinking your coffee right now. It's because it's hot. Well, it can't be that hot. You just chugged it. Well, the way I drink my McDonald's coffee is this. <laughs> I have a little gla- or plastic coffee cup here mm-hmm. that I pour about three quarters of McDonald's coffee in. And wait about five, ten minutes. Then the coffee in the cup is cold enough to drink. And about five minutes after that, the coffee in the plastic cup is cold enough to drink. So you add the two back together? No. My wife bought me a coffee cup this week that says World's Best Farter on it. Really? Yeah. Well, there are awards and there are awards. And then underneath it in parentheses it says, oops, I meant father. (laughs) No, I don't think she did. Just because every time I have to pass gas in my house, I make sure I run to Joseph and tell him to pull my finger. Mm Mm-hmm. And just because I have made my son understand the fact that butts... And farts are hilarious. And just because Joseph's new favorite prank is just to pull down his pants wherever he's at and shout, Look at my butt!
You are the fart father. No, I prefer to be called the god farter. The god farter? Rather <laughs> <laughs> than the fart father. The fart father. No, the god farter. He come to me on the day of my daughter's flatulence and ask me for a favor. <laughs> and yet, you show no respect. Well, call me the Godfather. <laughs>